You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Are you crazy? Cheese and Packers, a project powered by the Packernet Podcast Network. I am your host, JJ Leahy. Uh, I've been living in spreadsheet land recently. Uh, put together some thoughts on uh, the upcoming draft class, thoughts on our existing roster, and we have a few holes that we need to patch. I am going to talk about quarterback stuff today. But I know Clayton did a deep dive into the trade market that's available for Jordan Love. Uh, that episode came out today. I have not yet had a chance to listen to it, uh, but he told me he was going to do it. looks like it's up already, so go check that out. If you haven't already, you probably already have. And uh, I'm sure he's going to do a fantastic job on that. I think we should have a moment of silence for the NFC North, who deservedly got eliminated from postseason contention uh, last night. Vikings were frauds all along. It was hilarious that they lost to the Giants, who are terrible as well. I mean, not not the worst team, but not good either. Definitely embarrassing to lose to them. Looking at uh, you know the the immediate needs for this off season, obviously the biggest thing that needs to be resolved is who the heck is your starting quarterback? Rogers is going to take some time away. Uh, talk to his people, think, reflect, obviously, you know that. And whether he comes back or not, uh, you have to make a decision about this quarterback draft class. Uh, I know that we have Jordan Love. I like Jordan Love. Statistically, the odds of Jordan Love being a great franchise quarterback are not high. And this is not a knock on Jordan Love, just how it works. Very few quarterbacks who are drafted do pan out, uh, even in the first round. And the late-round quarterbacks, in particular, don't tend to do that well. I do think that this is a pretty good quarterback draft class. I think it's pretty deep. I've been diving into um, some of my thoughts on uh, these players. We just got word uh, a couple hours ago that C.J. Stroud is declaring for the NFL draft. So that makes this draft class even deeper at quarterback. I think it's, as I said, a good class. Now, if you are someone who does not want the Packers to take a quarterback, and there are a lot of you, this is still good news because you want other quarterback needy teams to push players further down the draft board to the Packers at pick 15. There's some good wide receivers in this draft class, some really good tight ends. I think we really need a tight end. Um, I do think we need a receiver. But I do not think that we should overlook quarterback. Now, the Packers, of course, took uh, Brian Brom uh, after they already had Aaron Rodgers. And he obviously ended up you know, not really doing anything. And, and the Packers historically are a team that does take 
you know, a lot of swings at quarterback. And I hear you right now screaming at your speaker or your phone or your uh, car stereo and saying, yeah, but they take later round guys. They take swings at, you know, the Matt Flynn's of the world or the Deshaun Kaiser's. Well, not, uh, not Deshaun Kaiser. Who's the guy I'm thinking of? Brett Hundley. <laughs> um, yeah, and those guys don't end up being starting quarterbacks for us. Uh Obviously, a lot of context there. I'm just saying, like, I am looking for the next franchise quarterback. If Aaron comes back, do you think he'll back here? be back here the following year? Like, like if he does come back, 2023 is probably his last year. Probably. And if he does come back, you know, this is yet another year where we won't get to see Jordan Love. And then his rookie contract is done. And... You know, I like what we saw from him in the Eagles game. Haven't really loved what I've seen from him in most other uh, regular season games we we saw. I didn't think he was that great against the Lions last year, the Chiefs, uh, whenever that was, 2021. Um, you know, he's, he's uh, only really flashed in one game. It was nine snaps against the Eagles. I'm not dogging Jordan Love. I like Jordan Love. I want Jordan Love to be a success for the Green Bay Packers. I'm just also acknowledging that the odds of that happening are not good. So I think that it is very important to take more swings at quarterback. The Packers tried to address the future of quarterback in 2020, and everybody said it was too early. Um, would the Packers today say that it was too early? Probably. I don't think you can make the case that it's too early right now. You just can't. Uh, so you got a lot of guys in this draft class. I'll just read through some of the names of guys that, that I like. Um, so obviously, you know, Bryce Young is not going to be there anywhere close to pick 15. He probably won't be there by pick two. CJ Stroud, um, is one of the top talked about quarterbacks. Um, uh, Stetson Bennett is going to be in this draft class. Um, he's out of college eligibility. Max Duggan declared. You also got, uh, Anthony Richardson out of Florida. Um, very polarizing prospect. Um, he's all upside. I, I really like his arm and his athletic ability. Uh, Florida fans will swear up and down to you that this guy is not ready for the NFL. And I, uh, was reading some comments from, uh, a GM in the AFC who said that he thought it was a huge mistake for Anthony Richardson to leave college so soon uh, and not return for another year. He's a sophomore right now. They thought that he absolutely should play his um, junior year, but you know, that's the exact, the exact kind of guy who could fall to 15. Um, there are a lot of Lamar Jackson comparisons that are made to him. I don't, I don't know that I really see Lamar Jackson in him. Um, like Lamar was just so unbelievably special and dominant as a runner. Um, and I think Anthony's a better passer and not quite as good of a runner. Uh, but man, he's, he is absolutely fantastic. Um, in, in terms of, uh, the upside that he brings, um, 
he's 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 got some developing to do. But man, if you are thinking that you're going to have Aaron Rodgers for another one year, maybe two more years tops, and you could sit Anthony behind Aaron Rodgers, um, or if you think that um, you're going to have Jordan Love as your starter for next year, and you wouldn't uh, put a, a rookie in there, okay, let him sit behind Jordan Love, and then. Let Jordan and Anthony both compete <laughs> and both develop and see if you can get one good, uh, you know, really, really good franchise quarterback out of the two of them. I, I just, I think that that's something that I would absolutely be on board with. There's a guy named, uh, Tanner Key out of Stanford who I am very intrigued by. Um, there's a couple of, uh, little, uh, stats and thresholds with Tanner that he doesn't quite meet for me. And one of them is going to sound kind of weird. And this is a, a new thing that I've been looking at. And that is the correlation between, between, uh, drafted quarterbacks who have gone on to be good in the NFL, who had good rushing grades in college. There's basically only two guys since 2014, which is as far back as I have data. Uh, only two guys since 2014 who you would say have been, uh, decent NFL quarterbacks who had poor rushing grades. And by poor, I, I literally just mean below a 60. So that's just like, just barely below average. So, uh, let's see here. Looking at, uh, the 2020 or the 2019 college season Justin Herbert had a 51.1 rushing grade uh Jordan Love had a 52.6 and Tua Tagovailoa had a 56.5 so those three guys in that class all had below 60s no question Justin Herbert has been very good in the NFL I think that your opinion of Tua may differ depending on who you, you know who you are um I have always liked Tua. Uh, he definitely has been up and down, but you know he's coming off of obviously his best season in the pros, so it's hard to call him a bust right now. Uh, I think a year ago, this would have been a different conversation, but coming off the season he just had, um, right now he sure seems like a success. Give him a couple more years, see how that pans out. Uh, Justin Herbert, Tua Tungvaloa, the only guys who have found NFL success since 2014 who had below a 60 rushing grade. And so... You know, I, I hear what you're saying of, of like, all right, but why would your your rushing grade really factor into whether you're a good um, NFL passer or not? You know, and, and does this work in reverse? Like, do the highest graded rushing quarterbacks end up being the best uh, NFL prospects? The answer is certainly not yes, but it's also not a definitive no either. Um if you uh, take the quarterbacks who had an above average rushing grade and then you filter that or you know, sort them by either uh, by best rushing grade or by best passing grade, you tend to come up with some pretty similar lists, honestly. And the best quarterbacks seem to be right near the top. You get a little bit flukier in terms of the rushing grades of like, uh, you know, of the top 10 is going to be, 
you know, five really good guys and five dudes that you don't even, you know, <laughs> don't even remember. Whereas if you do it by passing, it's going to be more like seven and three as opposed to five and five. So it's, it's not a direct correlation, but it's, there's not no correlation either. So just throwing that out there. Tanner McKee is the, the reason I brought this up. He's a quarterback that I like in this class. He's got a 55.7 rushing grade. Now, CJ Stroud is uh, the other notable name who has a below 60 rushing grade. He's got a 57.7. Definitely some context here, but the more I dug into the context, the more it felt like I had no idea what I was looking at. <laughs> uh, because the argument for uh, Stroud's rushing grade not really being relevant is that he just barely rushed at all. Ohio State just did not let him run. Uh, they really wanted him distributing the ball to Marvin Harrison Jr. and uh, Ibeka Ibuka, Cade Stover, uh, Jackson Smith Jigba when he was there, which he basically wasn't at all in 2022. Point being, they had really good receiving options and, you know, some good tailbacks as well. And it just, it just didn't make any sense to keep the, the ball in the hands of the most limited athlete on your offense. And it was a really small sample size as a result of that. He only had 10 designed rushes and, and I think 18 scrambles. And the one game where they did really open things up was in the playoffs against Georgia. They let him run all over the place. He had uh, two design runs for 70 yards. Uh, he scrambled six more times for 66 yards. And uh, what was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, and his, his rushing grade in that game was a 70.1. So, you know, the argument to be made there in favor of Stroud or, you know, to give him the benefit of the doubt is just it's a super small sample size. And so how much are you really going to gleam from just 10 uh, plays over the course of a season? Fair enough. Problem is Bryce Young only has four rushes <laughs> on the season. Will Levis has 25. Like nobody has a lot. And so, you know, if we're going to say that this data doesn't mean anything for Stroud, then we kind of have to throw it out for everybody. So I don't know. This is, is a, a new thing I've been looking into. I just can't ignore how much of a one-to-one -one correlation it is between whether you're going to be a success in the NFL uh, over the past uh, decade here, and whether you are, um, you know, have a, have a good uh, uh, rushing grade or not. So, looking at just the guys who were drafted in the first and second round during that time span, who had poor rushing grades. I already mentioned Tua, Jordan Love, and Justin Herbert. The other guys: Christian Hackenberg, Deshaun Kaiser, Josh Rosen, Dwayne Haskins. And Kyle Trask. All those guys undeniably were busts. No question about it. Just horrific picks. And, and they didn't even have like horrific rushing grades. It's just that they were slightly below the threshold. They were taken in the first two rounds. I mean, man, it's really asking a lot of Justin Herbert and Tua and then maybe Jordan Love for those three guys to be the guys who, uh, you know, reverse this. Anyways, um, I think that's about all on quarterbacks. Um, anybody else who I think we should talk about? I'm, I'm really bummed that Bo Nix is going back to school. That's a guy who might be really special a year from now. I, I think he would have gone in the first round this year. I do. I guess I didn't talk about Will Levis. 
I'll probably talk a lot more about Will Levis as we get closer to the draft. Will Levis, to me, I'm far for the per- first person to say this. Everybody makes Josh Allen comparisons with Will Le- Levis. I really didn't like Josh Allen as a uh, as a college prospect. I didn't like him. I, I didn't like his game. I didn't see a lot there that I thought was going to translate. Exact same thing with Will Levis. When I look at what he does, I just can't find anything that I think he does really well. He's just all athletic upside. There's the argument for him. He's huge. He's fast. Uh, he really makes opposing defenses have to work hard to uh, account for his athletic ability and cover up the receivers downfield. And, you know, Josh Allen certainly has become a phenomenal NFL quarterback. Um, he was pretty bad his first two years, really bad. Like his rookie year was a disaster. Will whoever drafts Will Levis have the patience to develop him and actually be successful in un- unlocking that potential? I think the odds are not great, um, but I'm interested to see where he goes. Uh, I, I really hope that the team that takes him is a, a patient team. I would like to see Will Levis succeed. Uh, the other thing, you know, with Josh Allen is uh, – it really made a pretty big difference when you paired him with Stefan Diggs and they just had that unbelievable chemistry. So, so there is that, it, you know, it really comes down to the right situation. So uh, I, I just think that for Will Levis to be a success, he has to find the right situation, but his ceiling is probably the highest, highest of anybody in this draft class, maybe excluding, Anthony Richardson. I would say Anthony Richardson and Will Levis probably have the highest ceilings, but will they be able to reach their ceilings? That's that's the big question. Um, I have, I mean, shoot, I don't even know. Uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 quarterbacks on my list uh, that I'm going through and, and going to be scouting over the next couple months here and really putting together my, my final thoughts on them. But I, I do think the Packers need to take a swing at quarterback. I'd like them to take a swing at pick 15 because I think that you have a shot at grabbing a guy with an insane upside. And as much as you really would like them to, you know, draft a, a guy like Jordan Addison or Jackson Smith Jigba or whoever at pick 15. If you had the opportunity this year to draft Patrick Mahomes at pick 15, would you do it? Nobody in the world would say no. And obviously, <laughs> it's a, a little bit of a silly comparison to make be, since there's only one Mahomes. But, I mean, if you have the opportunity to take a guy who you believe, as the GM, if you believe, yeah, I think this guy is that level of special, you you just have to take a swing on it. The future of the Green Bay Packers is completely dependent on their ability to find the next quarterback. And a lot of folks, it boggles my mind how many people I talk to have completely given up on even trying to find the next quarterback. And they're like, look, we know that we're going to suck for 20, 30 years after Aaron leaves. That's why 
we need to just keep him here as long as possible. Don't even bother trying to find the next guy. Just keep Aaron and get him more wide receiver help right now. I I talk to people like that like every single day. Every single day. Or, you know, you get people who say, well, you know, as soon as uh, Aaron leaves, then we'll be the worst team in football. We can draft a guy number one overall. Okay, yeah, let's see how that works. Um, that has worked great for all these other teams that we've been watching all these years. Man, the Cardinals sure are good right now, you know, with Kyler Murray. I don't know. I don't know, man. I It's hard for me to follow that train of thought. Okay, enough about quarterbacks. We've got some holes to fill on this roster, regardless of what we do at quarterback. And a few of them might be addressed in uh, re-signing our own free agents. I've got a list of 11 guys that I think the Packers either should or will or probably will re-sign. That means there are five guys that I think they are going to let walk. First of all, I don't think Chris Barnes is back. Maybe he is because he'd be pretty cheap and he you know, knows the system and all that, but I would be surprised if they bring him back. Uh, I also think uh, Al Lazard is 100,000% gone. I don't think he wants to be back. I'm not sure the Packers want him back. I think the Packers would like him back more than he wants to be back, but he's clearly really wants to leave. Um, I also don't think that uh, Randall Cobb is going to be back. I don't think Jaron Reed is going to be back. And I think that this is it for Adrian Amos. Um, obviously, we know that uh, safety is one of the biggest holes on this roster. We have to do something about safety. I really wish we had done something about safety uh, this past year. There were guys in the uh, draft, including Kirby Joseph, who basically ended our season, uh, who I really, really liked and wanted us to take. We didn't. Um, what's the name of that guy? Louis Seen was another guy I really liked. Um, he basically didn't play this year. Uh, but I think Kirby Joseph was my second safety on the board after, after, uh, Lewis scene. We have to do something about safety. Our safeties are Darnell Savage, Vernon Scott, Innis Gaines, Shamar Jean Charles, and a guy named James Wiggins, who we just signed to a futures contract. So we got to bring back Rudy Ford for sure. Um, because I really like what he does on special teams. He's one of the better gunners that we have. Um, I think no question he will be back. I'm sure that Keyshawn Nixon will be back. I'm sure Eric Wilson will be back. Uh, he's the linebacker that we picked up former Viking, uh, halfway through the season. He ended up being the highest graded special teamer in the NFL. He was absolutely key to the special teams turnaround this year. Got to bring him back. He's also gonna be pretty cheap down. Leva, I think we'll be back. Um, I'm, mm, less insistent that he has to be back than those other three guys. Those other three special teams, Keyshawn Nixon, Eric Wilson, and Rudy Ford. Dallin Levitt is like the next tier below that for me in terms of bringing back special teamers, but I would like him back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view 
on all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Uh, linebacker Justin Hollins, definitely want him back. Um, he was really, really good on special teams and then ended up really making a huge impact on defense down the stretch when we were so thin. I think that's a, a good guy to keep around, and I will be interested to see if he can replicate the success he had this season uh, next year. Mason Crosby, this is going to be just a uh, decision that – is Mason's and his family's, you know, do they think that he should hang up the cleats or should he come back for one more season? I think that's what it comes down to. I believe the Packers are going to sit there and wait for him to make a decision. And if he's willing to come back, I think they will sign him to a one year deal. And I think they should do that. I also think that they should very, very strongly consider making sure that they have a second kicker on the game day roster every week specifically to handle kickoff duties. Now, you don't have to find just one guy and sign him to the active roster. You could have one or more guys on the practice squad and just elevate them every week. Um, you know, if you're going to elevate all year long, you would obviously would have to be rotating different guys through there because you I think you only have two elevations on the season for some reason three is sticking in my head, but I think it's only two. Two elevations. So, I mean, you're going to go through like eight kickers throughout the season, but you could have a couple of practice squad spots reserved for uh, kickoff kickers. I, I think that's something you should do. Try and really save Mason's leg. Um, his accuracy is still there. It's absolutely crucial that you have Mason's accuracy um, for field goals as long as you can get it. And I'm not looking forward to trying to find a new future kicker whenever we do move on from Mason, um, AKA whenever he retires. I thought Ramiz Ahmed, who was with us this past year showed a lot of potential, but I like JJ Molson before that as well. And neither of those guys have stuck around. Now the thing with Ramiz is that it sounds like he's dealing with some injury concerns right now. Um, somebody said that he played 40, or, you know, was was active for 40 straight weeks between the XFL or whatever league he was in and then moving to the NFL. So that certainly could take a toll on your body. Um, but he's banged up right now, and it sounds like maybe that is part of why they didn't bring him back. They did sign a different kicker, Parker White. Um, maybe he's something. We'll see. 
Um, but I, I expect Mason Crosby to come back for one more year. I hope he will. Uh, but also it would make perfect sense if he and his family decide that he should go out on a high, a high note. Yasha Nyman needs to get, ra- uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Signed. What's the word I'm looking for? Wrapped? Tied down? What the heck am I trying to say? We need to keep him around for uh, the next few years. I anticipate signing him to like a two, three-year deal, probably. Um, I think he'll get a few million bucks, maybe five million bucks a year, something like that. Certainly could see that happening. Um, and I would not be upset if they did that. Uh, if you can get him for cheaper, great. However, what I would really like to see is upgrading the right tackle. I really, 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 really like Yash as your third tackle on the roster, as your swing tackle. I think that's the exact right role for him. I would like to draft a right tackle. Um, Jake Shavink, who does our, um, uh, the, uh, it's always draft season podcast here on the network. He's been pounding the table for the Packers to go offensive tackle in the first round. I think he wanted them to take Paris Johnson. No, Broderick Jones out of Georgia. That's, that was, uh, the most recent mock I saw from him. Um, I have not dug into tackles at all, but, um, uh, I think that Broderick Jones is really seen as like a, a left tackle. And I think we have, my thing is, I think we have like three, maybe even four guys on this roster who we feel comfortable with at left tackle and kind of only Yash who you feel physically can handle right tackle. And Yash has been better at left than at right, in my opinion. Uh, but ever since we lost Brian Balaga, we have not had a right tackle, and I, I really think it's time for us to prioritize getting a right tackle. Uh, but the problem with that is that you really usually need to take a swing like that in the first round. Now, it is the Packers. They do find success in later rounds. Um, would not be surprising at all for them to draft a tackle in the second round. But depends on how the board falls. I think round, uh, pick number 15 overall, I'd be maybe slightly disappointed to spend that on a right tackle. You know, I think you could probably get it, could get a franchise left tackle at pick 15. Obviously the skill guys available there are really, really appetizing. Um, but the, the nice thing about Yash is that he provides, or the nice thing about Yash at, as you're starting right tackle is that he does provide a baseline. You know that you're going to have at least competent tackle play there. Of course, he was really bad against the Lions, and he has historically struggled a bit against those really athletic edge rushers. Um, I thought Zach Tom was not great when he came in, um, but he did a better job than Zach Tom. But again, my whole thing with Zach Tom overall, I, I think he just is really built to be on the left side of the line. He is not a good run blocker. He's really small. I like him as your long-term left tackle. And if he can't quite hack it there, then I I like him at left guard. Uh, Maybe center because center is, uh, you know, was one of his primary positions in college. 
Um, but I'm just not that interested in him at right guard or at right tackle. I just don't think he's a good fit. You, you need those bruiser, big boy run blockers on the right side of the line. And that is just not Zach Tom. He is a, uh, technician. He is a, a just finesse pass blocker. So anyways, that, that's the Yash Nyman case. Um, you, I, I think, I think you have to bring him back for sure. Um, hopefully at a, uh, you know, reasonable price, not like 5 million bucks a year, but I, I would be willing to pay that much if that's just what his, um, market rate actually was. But I really would like to upgrade the right tackle spot. I just don't think that our right tackle play has been good enough since, uh, Balaga left. Uh, Dean Lowry is another guy who I think the Packers probably will bring back. I know you guys don't like Dean Lowry. Um, I would be fine with having him back. I think that he's a, a good, reliable veteran. I think he's smart. Uh, I think he knows his job. Obviously the downside of having Dean Lowry back is that you would think that that would really cut into Devonte Wyatt's snaps. Um, but my thinking would be how many defensive tackles are they going to keep on the roster regardless? All right. Let's say that it's not the Lowry. Is there still a certain number of defensive you know, interior guys that they are going to have on the roster no matter what? Yes. They always have either five or six interior uh, uh, defensive linemen. So look at the guys who are under contract with us right now. We have three that I like, two that I really don't like, and that's it. So you got uh, Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, TJ Slayton. I want all three of those guys. We also have Jonathan Ford, who I could not care less about. Sorry, Jonathan. Hope you're not listening to this. And then Chris Slayton. I don't think we have anything in either of those guys. I have zero interest in watching them play. We have three defensive linemen here. Um, and I think the Packers are going to want to give snaps to at least four guys. I don't think Jaron Reed is coming back between Jaron Reed and Dean Lowry. I probably would rather have Dean Lowry back than Jaron Reed. Uh, I just really never have been impressed with Jaron Reed ever. Um, so I think it makes a lot of sense to bring Dean back. I think you, you could bring him back, uh, in the next, uh, month and a half. I think he has a, I think his, contract is set up so that the void years that they set up for him come into effect in like uh late February. So you have a little bit of time here to get a deal done with him to prevent that dead cap hit from just slapping you in 2023, push that out a bit and give him another one or two years. Um, I, I probably maybe would just do one year and give him, you know, three, four million bucks, call it good, bring him back. I think that's what I would do. I don't think they're going to burn any more draft picks. We got two firsts and a fifth on the roster. So I don't think they're going to do that. They're not going to go out big in free agency. It's going to be the Kenny Clark and Devontae Wyatt show with TJ Slayton as your big nose tackle. And then there's going to be another guy in the mix there who can fill more of that DN look. I think Dean Lowry is a good fit there. Uh, they like him. He makes sense to me to bring back. But maybe the coaching staff just decides it's time to keep looking for somebody else. And they go another direction. Uh, but I, that is a, a position where you do need to make an addition, in my opinion. <sighs> that brings us to the tight ends. 
everybody's talking about tight end. And I think absolutely deservedly so. <laughs> the only tight end we really have on the roster is uh, Deguara. We do have two guys named Austin Allen and Nick Gugamos who spent time on the Packers practice squad this year. I know nothing about them. Um, other than, you know, just when we signed them, I looked at their measurables and a little bit of what they'd done in college. I don't think we have anything in either one, but maybe we do. We'll see. You really have one tight end and you need four. So, uh, Mercedes Lewis, Robert Tunyon, and Tyler Davis are all free agents. I expect Tyler Davis to be back. And I think that's a net positive for the Packers, even though nobody is a huge Tyler Davis fan. I think he was... Um, pretty important on special teams for us. And then the little bit that they did feature him on offense during the actual NFL season, he was fine. He wasn't great. He was not special. He was a dude. Um, I think that the Packers are slightly better with him than without him. And no question, the BS that we saw from him in the preseason just never showed its head, uh, you know, during the regular season. So he was freaking horrible in the preseason and we just never saw that again. So, um, I'm not a Tyler Davis hater. Um, I'd be fine with bringing him back. He made $780,000 this past year. I think you could pay him about the same amount of money and he probably would take it. Cause I don't think anybody else would offer him more. He's got athletic upside. He's good on special teams. He's a restricted free agent. If the Packers want him back, he's not going anywhere. Um, but I certainly understand all the listeners who are saying, dear God, please no, no more Tyler Davis. I get it. <laughs> I, I just don't think it's as bad if they bring him back as most people do. Mercedes Lewis, I think, will be back for one more season. He's talking on Twitter as though he is still a Green Bay Packer, talking about you know, his current level of play with the Packers. I think he expects to be back. Also, um, he is tied. I should have looked this up. It's he's tied with Jason Witten and like uh, Tony Gonzalez or somebody. Um, I'm Googling this right now. Longest tight end career in NFL. It's a three-way tie. I know that. Of course, there's no just quick thing that shows me tight ends. I'm 90% sure it's Tony Gonzalez and Jason Witten and Mercedes Lewis. It's a three-way tie for the longest uh, tight end career in the NFL. And since Mercedes still seems like he feels good physically and there's not really any downside for him to come back and make a few more million bucks playing one more year and setting the record for the longest tight end career in NFL history, I don't know why he wouldn't want to come back for another season. I think the Packers would happily be the team to bring him back. So I expect him back. I do think Tyler Davis probably will be back. So that's three tight ends. So then there's the Bob Tunyon factor. I think the Packers really like him. Most of the fans really like him. I kind of couldn't really care whether he's here or not. I I think he gives you like just a a very baseline floor for what kind of tight end production you're going to have on the team. It's just not that special. He had a lot of, of touchdowns per reception in 2020. And a lot of people have, have because of that been proclaiming him this really great elite tight end ever since. And it just has not been true. 
And if you um, want to blame his ACL tear for how he played in 2022, I would just say he played all year at the exact same level. There was no upward trend, and it basically was the same as he has ever played in his career. So if you like what he's given us, then you want him back. I don't really care about what he's given us. I think we can do better. And I think that you really felt this year, you felt the absence of a really elite receiving threat at tight end. Um, A lot of folks would really like the Packers to prioritize taking a swing at tight end. Jay Sternberger was supposed to be here and be that dude. And of course he was a bust. So we are missing that Jay Sternberger factor. And I, you know, we've kind of been trying to uh, fill that with Robert Tunyon uh, for, for whatever that's worth. You know, we got a couple positions on this team where we actually are kind of all set um, from a pure number standpoint. We typically carry eight or nine offensive linemen. We have 11, so that's fantastic. Uh, I will certainly expect them to make additions in the draft, but from just a pure body standpoint, when you got rooms like the tight end room where we're sitting at technically three, but really it's just one. It does make you feel good that looking at this uh, 11 man offensive line room, there's only, I mean, there's only one guy that they signed to a futures contract. Everybody else is like actual real players. Uh, one guy who's on there that we can't forget about is Luke Tenuta, a uh, former Colt. We picked him up relatively early on in the season. I think we actually claimed him off of their practice squad. So this is a guy we actually did really want, and he has been on our active roster all year. He just didn't have any playing time. But that is going to be an interesting thing to take uh, note of going forward. And, uh, you know, I mentioned the uh, defensive tackle group uh, really only has three actual dudes there. I think they should add one more, like a Dean Lowry, you know, that level of player. Uh, But the edge room, I think, is in better shape than you know, the way we talk about it, you got Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith up at the top. And and the only problem with this room is the question of how long it's going to take Rashawn Gary to get back. Fortunately, he was injured halfway through this season as opposed to right at the very end. So that might mean some valuable games earlier on in this, in next year's season that he would have otherwise missed that he might, might be able to play. So, uh, Preston and Kingsley and Jonathan Garvin. And I think they'll bring back Justin Hollins. So you're probably sitting at once you re-sign Justin Hollins, you're going to have five guys in that room plus Sean Gary on IR or pub or whatever. And they typically only keep four guys in that room. So you're sitting pretty at that point. They did bring back Ladarius Hamilton on a futures contract. The linebacker room, I think, is set. It's just the guys you know and love. Uh, and I think Chris Barnes is gone. Um, they typically keep either four or five guys there. I think they will just probably keep the four unless they happen to find somebody out there who they just like for his own sake. But I don't think you need to make an addition for for numbers. Cornerback, you got three guys, you know, your big three guys, and then after them you have Keandre Thomas, Benji Franklin, both those guys were practice squatters for us. And then you have a new addition named Tyrell Ford. 
I would expect them to make another addition to the cornerback room. I think you would like to have one more guy in there. Now, Shamar Jean Charles kind of operates as a corner safety hybrid. Um, but that safety room is in such shambles that uh, I, th- I think that uh, you're not. Well, you know, and the other thing to consider there is that Darnell Savage is really a slot corner, sort of, now. It's kind of where they moved him to. So how is he listed on next year's roster, and do they feel like they need to make an addition there? I think if you have Jair, Stokes, Rasul, and Savage all considered corners, then that room is just set, and you don't touch that. And then the safety room is just completely bare. I would not be completely surprised if we bring in two starter safeties through free agency and the draft um, for next season, just because that safety room has nothing going on in it. So these are the positions. Uh, I think, I think last week we touched on the wide receiver room situation and that you really only have three actual wide receivers, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Samori Toure. I don't think they'll bring back Randall Cobb, but maybe they do. Uh, if they do, I still think you need to add a guy. I really do. Um, and this is, mm, it's not even really about Watson or Dobbs. It's just that you need another guy in there. And I, we have not seen it from Toure. And I don't want to go into next season with hoping that Randall Cobb will be that guy. And Mario Rogers is gone. You need to make an addition at wide receiver. There's a buzz about DeAndre Hopkins, but that's just fan buzz. I have not heard any actual links from Green Bay to DeAndre Hopkins. I don't think that'll happen. But I do think you should take a stab in the draft. I think we've outlined a list of positions here that make a lot of sense to be targeting in the early rounds of this draft. Quarterback, wide receiver, right tackle, safety, and uh, tight end. I think those are the positions. I don't think there's anything else. I mean, edge would be the one position where it's like, you know, if the right guy falls to you at 15, you can't pass on him. Um, But in terms of just identifying like a hole on the roster and saying we got to go find that next guy in the draft, I think those are the positions. So those will be the positions that we're really scoping in on over these next few months as we are getting ready for the draft. And I am excited to get into that. I also have been scouting uh, some special teamers, um, and I think we'll we'll do a full episode on that. Uh, kicker, there's, the, there's one kicker with maybe a possible second in this whole class who's worth a draft pick, but the guy is Jake Moody out of Michigan. Um, and then, uh, like I said, there's there's one more maybe, but it, it really is just Jake Moody or bust in terms of actually spending a draft pick on a guy. So if the Packers were to be in a position where they didn't have Mason Crosby, I think that's the, the guy that you uh, scope with. So uh, I got to get out of here. You guys have a fantastic day. I will talk to you all next week here on Packernet Podcast Network.